Hello and welcome to The Debrief Live. Thanks for joining us. The long-running saga of the Manchester United takeover took yet another twist at the weekend with the news that Sheikh Jassim, along with his billions of Qatari petrodollars, was withdrawing from the bidding process. Nine months of cozying up on the dance floor ending, not with a kiss and a relationship, but an exit from the dance floor without a consummation in sight. That leaves Sir Jim Radcliffe's latest proposal, reportedly to buy a 25% stake in the club, the only one left on the table. It leaves the Glazers remaining at the club, leaving behind the prospect of a full takeover through a fully funded cash bid. So what on earth is going on behind the scenes and has Sir Jim won the race for Manchester United? Well, that's the question we are posing today on The Debrief. Fabrizio Romano will be joining me shortly, so stick around for what it means for the structure and transfer policy of the club and uh, also for the fans. What will they do next? But it's on occasions like this that Ben Jacobs really comes into his own as he knows more than anyone about this deal. But before we talk about Manchester United, Ben, I just want to relay a line that Richard E. Grant told me this week. If two women gossip together, it's called bitching. But if two men gossip together, it's called a podcast. So welcome back to The Debrief. Good to be here. You've been doing your research on some iconic (laughs) quotes. I always enjoy the introductions to the shows and of course despite all of the jokes we've got a very serious topic because Manchester United fans are anxious at the moment about what the next few days may bring. Well absolutely and that's why uh, we have Mark Goldbridge with us as well presenter of the United fan channel the United stand and an important voice to all those United fans who are simply asking right what the hell happens here Mark great to have you on the debrief. Yeah, thank you very much uh, for having me on. And uh, yeah, certainly a very interesting weekend that you don't normally get in an international break. So uh, yeah, I was looking <laughs> I forward to a, a nice quiet weekend. And then you get one of the biggest decisions probably in many Man United fans' lifetime, really. It's not often that you um, you know, have a, have a sale of a football club, do you? So the ramifications are huge. Uh, they are, absolutely. And we're going to get uh, into everything about this deal. But let's let's go and recap, Ben. So take us through what has happened over the weekend. So the first thing was that Sheikh Jassim and the 90 Foundation pulled out. And that was actually done towards the back end of last week. But it was briefed, even though not formally announced, over the weekend. From there, it left one predominant bidder in the process in Sir Jim Ratcliffe, who about a month ago changed his structure, pivoting from 50.1% with a phased buyout to get to the Glazers 69% to 25% now, still with an eventual path for control. And crucially, in this latest structure and proposal, there is the opportunity for Ratcliffe to have sporting control now whilst the Glazers oversee the brand, and then still an eventual majority in control later. And those specifics, I understand, are still being determined. So there is an agreement in principle for the valuation for 25% and that share amount. And now there's a finalisation between Ratcliffe and the Glazers on all of the other points, including what does sporting control actually mean in practice if the Glazers still have the voting rights or more likely are their current voting rights going to be diluted in some capacity and then on Thursday it is possible not definite but I would say likely that the broad proposal will be put to 
a board of 12 people, representative of the Glazer family and minority shareholders and club officials. And if it is approved, then we may well enter into the path towards completion, which will allow Jim Ratcliffe to become a minority owner to begin with in Manchester United Football Club. And crucially, even if things ongoing over six to eight weeks take a little bit more time, have near immediate sporting say, which will allow him to plan for the January window. So shake Jassim out, Jim Ratcliffe on the brink of finally ending this long-running saga. But the important thing, Ben, is look, this is first stage in an ultimate process where Sir Jim has total control of Manchester United. That's the plan. If we're to take Ratcliffe at his statement, then he wants majority, he wants control. But obviously, Manchester United fans, I'm sure Mark included, may be a little bit hesitant because Ratcliffe has changed his structure every other month because he's flexible and he wants to try and win. And when you get into bed with the Glazers, what does that entail? Is the Ratcliffe opportunity to take majority stake and control of Manchester United and obligation, which is the most reassuring thing Manchester United fans would want to hear because then they would know categorically that the Glazers are leaving? Or is it only an option? And if it's only an option, what are the different permutations? Is it a case of what we call a put and call clause, which means that at one point, Ratcliffe can buy the Glazers out at another point in time, the Glazers can choose to sell for different prices. Is it a fixed price? Is it a formula? Regardless of all the ins and outs, and there's lots of different possibilities legally and logistically, I think Manchester United fans will want to know one thing. Are the Glazers leaving? And if they're not leaving yesterday, if they're not leaving today, if they're not leaving on Thursday, are they definitely leaving? And if the answer to that question is yes in the Ratcliffe structure, then I think Manchester United fans might be a little bit more calm about the situation. If the answer is we don't know, if the answer is maybe, if the answer is it's an option at that point, then unfortunately for Jim Ratcliffe, there's probably more questions than answers. Well, Mark, that's a question to you then. Do, do you feel this is an unsatisfactory way of of the takeover of Manchester United being played out? Yeah, 100%. And there's some, there's some good things I'd like to come back to um, with, on Ben in a moment in relation to how this might play out. But ultimately, I think that when you look at this process over nearly a year, um, it started off with Sir Jim buying all of the club. And then I think it was 70%. And then I think it was 50%. And now it's 25%. And... The, the interesting thing is, and I think there's a bit of a hypocrisy in the fan base, which I said this morning, is that for the last year, I've all I've heard exclusively from Man United fans is full sale, glazes out. And then this story breaks on Saturday and now certain sections of the fan base are going, well, you know, this ultimately will lead to um, Manchester United being owned by Sir Jim exclusively and the Glazers going. But we don't have the details. So for me, I'm still very unsatisfied with this. And I think a lot of United fans are because this is not a full sale. This is not a removal of the Glazers. And it's not even Joel and Avram staying with a smaller percentage. They still have a majority. Um, I suspect we're already seeing lots of spin from both sides. I mean, I'm not going to admit that there hasn't been spin coming in from Sheikh Jazim's side about this is a missed opportunity. Um, but I think we're also starting to hear about who the director of football will be and what's going to happen with the stadium and Sir Jim's pathway to full ownership. But the thing that resonates with me on this, Ben, and you might be able to answer it, is that as a United fan, I'm not satisfied because it's not a full sale and the Glazers stay. I'm also not satisfied by a three-year plan. I think a three-year plan is a long time, especially when our rivals are not going to sit back. 
Um, so three years is a long time to wait for something to happen. And I also think that there's so many bad things about the club that will surely remain. We'll still keep the debts. We'll still have issues with financial fair play. We still have bad infrastructure. How can Sir Jim manipulate those things in a positive way? I mean, a director of football would have come in if Qatar had got hold of the club anyway. So, But I think the thing for me is that there was roughly £5 billion on the table that they could have took today from the Qatari bid. Why would the Glazers wait three years to take the same the same five billion or even five and a half billion? Because inflation over three years, surely there's got to be a reason the Glazers are staying. The Glazers are very selfish. They're not football people. They've taken a lot of money out of Manchester United. I don't think they're going to go, you know what, Sir Jim, we quite like you. Let's have a little bit of the money now and we'll have the rest of the five billion in three years. They're not those sort of people. So there must be a monetary gain for the Glazers to wait for three years. And the rumours are it could be waiting for the big lucrative TV deal, which would boost Manchester United's value up closer to 10 billion than it is at the moment, or maybe another Super League down the line. And also, more importantly, what are the break clauses? There's very few business transactions that three years down the line, I'm definitely getting the club. There could be break clauses for both clubs. So Jim might decide he doesn't want more than 25% because he gets what he wants reputationally from you know, rebuilding Man United as a sporting project. So for me, um, the question would be, why would the Glazers wait three years if there's not something coming down the line that's more beneficial than five billion now? Well, there's a question for you, Ben. Un- answer that. You know, and what are some of those clauses that that may be stuck into some sort of contract here? Well, I think Mark's absolutely right, first and foremost, about what Manchester United need and if we're being fair to the Ratcliffe bid, we have to wait to an extent for him to come out and explain himself. And I do understand that Ratcliffe will be hands-on and very transparent in this process, a bit like Amanda Staverley at Newcastle, who only owns 10%. She's the face and the voice of the club. And I think that's what Ratcliffe wants overnight if he's successful. So it is true that a three-year plan may seem too far away, but it's also true that in the three years, if Ratcliffe knows that he'll be in possession of the club, He'll be committed from day one. So you'll get a practical reality of things being done as if he was in control at the same time as the Glazers being legally still in the majority and potentially having voting power. But we don't know on that either, because in some kind of hybrid deal where Ratcliffe takes 25% in an equal proportion of A and B shares, the Glazers' voting power might also be diluted as well. And that may partially be how Ratcliffe gets to instant sporting control. So again, there's a lot of questions here, but stadium redevelopment, I would expect them to do their due diligence from the word go. And as Chelsea are finding, that takes time. Sporting director will come in. I'm told there'll be a 100-day review, regardless of whether Ratcliffe has 25% or even if he had 100% of the club, and then he'll have the power to make appointments. You have two key people within Ineos, Blanc and Brailsford, And then Paul Mitchell is another who's moved back to Manchester that, as I've reported many times throughout this process, is one to watch. So Ratcliffe has a plan on the football side and the Glazers will still maintain control of the brand. But what is the long term plan within that three years? Or it can potentially even be more than that. But I think the parties are looking at the expanded Club World Cup in 2025. I think that they're looking at the World Cup in America, Canada, Mexico in 2026. And then after that, the landscape of football and the commercial opportunities will be a lot bigger. It will also be three years of Saudi Arabia expanding. There may be money there. And there's Manchester United's feeling that they may own control one day over their TV rights and be able to capitalise 
capitalize on that and that will raise the value of the football club as well but in the meantime we have to understand that key thing i came back to before which is is this an option for both sides at different points or is it an obligation and i believe that 49ers enterprises at leeds even though they took over this summer did have a binding obligation in 2024 that was their commitment so if we know that answer we'll start to understand and if the end goal is the glazers definitively leaving under ratcliffe then he can plan whether it's in three years five years ten years because he knows that there will be an obligation for the glazers to leave if it's only an option then I think that there needs to be more clarification. Otherwise, what's to stop the Glazers, for example, saying the club's worth loads, Ratcliffe won't pay the asking price, we want to buy him back out, we want to put the club on the market again in three years and five years and ten years. So I think that Manchester United fans are rightly angry, but we should also be patient with Ratcliffe because I do think that at some point after this deal gets done, if this deal gets ratified by the board, he will have to come out and start answering some of these very valid questions. Okay, a lot going on, a lot to discuss, guys, um, and plenty of comments coming in from everyone else who's listening, which we will get to in a moment. But there are huge implications, clearly, for United on and off the field here. And a little earlier, I caught up with Fabrizio Romano to get his take on what it means for the club. And I did start by asking him about something that you've been trying to clear up, Ben, about that sporting control that Sir Jim might have. And uh, this is what Fabrizio had to say. So, Fabrizio, how close is Sir Jim Ratcliffe to winning this bid to take some sort of control over Manchester United? It's very close now. Uh, I think we are really at the final stages of the story. Finally, uh, started in February, March, a very long negotiation, a very difficult negotiation for all those involved on all sides of the of the story. Now it's just about the final vote, uh, and then everything should be completed very soon for Sir Jim Ratcliffe to have the control on 25% minority stake of Manchester United, the sporting control of Manchester United. That's a really important point for present and future of the club. So I think in the next days, the situation will be more clear. People close to Sergeant Radcliffe is now finally very optimistic, just waiting for the final steps and then to have the possibility to enter into Manchester United. So your understanding is that this will have sporting control. Will, will he be in charge of that? Yes, this is the this is the idea, and this is the feeling of those close to to Ineos Group, to Sergio Bradcliffe. That, of course, they are prepared to enter with twenty five percent minority stake. That usually is not something that big when we mention clubs like Manchester United. But the sporting control is something absolutely crucial for Sergio Bradcliffe also to establish immediately a good relationship with Manchester United fans. It means to make an impact. Immediately, uh, of course, immediately, it depends on the timing to appoint new people, to make some decision about the board, directors, and all these kind of things. But the sporting control is absolutely an important part of the story for Sergeant Ratcliffe. He knows that the expectation of many fans was to have probably a new owner with under percent of the stakes of Manchester United. So a different story around this takeover. But he also wants to make an impact immediately. And this sporting control is something absolutely crucial for him. So then he might be in charge for the January transfer window. Who are United prioritising for that time? I think in any case, let's see what happens in the next days with the formal steps with Sergeant Ratcliffe. But in any case, Eric and Hag will always be important in the conversations internally to make decisions on the transfer market as it was in the summer transfer window. I expect the same for the January transfer window. So 
I think, first of all, it's going to be important to understand what happens with the recovery of Lisandro Martinez. For my United, this is really important because he had two times the same injury and uh, it's a serious injury. So they hope to have Lisandro back probably in December. But with that kind of recovery, you always have to check on a daily basis. And this is why I think for the centre-back position for May United, it's going to be really important in January to understand the conditions of Lisandro Martinez and the situation of Harry Maguire. In case they will receive some proposal for Harry Maguire, there could be a possibility for May United to go on the market for a new centre-back in the January transfer window. Otherwise, they will invest on that position in the summer because in any case, in 2024, the intention of May United, from my understanding, is to bring in a new important uh, centre-back. And we know that in the January transfer window, it's usually complicated to invest on super top players. You need to spend very big money and it's really difficult to, to make it happen. And then in other positions, I think we have to see what happens with Jadon Sancho. Uh, I see Jadon Sancho leaving May United in January. At the moment, it's really difficult to see things working between Sancho and uh, United. So the only way, as we know very well, is for Sancho to apologise. And in that case, uh, the situation could change. Otherwise, he will leave in the summer, in the, sorry, January transfer window and in that moment, for May United, there will be an internal discussion to decide whether they want to invest on a new winger or not. But again, I think in any case, with Sergio Ratcliffe also involved, for uh, Aiton Hag is going to be really important, the final say on this kind of deals. So when you look at this bidding process uh, and look at what's happened in the last week, why do you think Sheikh Jassim has withdrawn? I think it's very clear because after spending seven, eight months negotiating with the Glazers family and receiving always the same answer, no, no and no, for Sheikh Yassim, from what I'm understanding, and this is what they told me when, when I shared the news on Saturday, he was kind of, okay, uh, it's over, we can't keep going like this, we can't spend the whole year negotiating and offering way more of the current value of the club, the current valuation of Manchester United according to Sheikh Yassim, was uh, something around 4 billion and not 6 billion. And so his proposal, from my understanding, was something around $6.5 billion for Manchester United owners, so for the Glazers, and $1.5 billion to make an immediate instant impact into Manchester United. It means to invest in the infrastructures, in the training ground, in the stadium, and obviously in new signings. So the package he wanted to invest was something around $8 billion, but after receiving a new uh, no from the Glazers family in the recent days, after restructuring his proposal, uh, and at that point he decided to, to move on and he decided to leave the conversations. And it seems from the outside, it seems really strange. This seems to be the perfect bid. Not only wipes out the debt, it invests in the infrastructure and, and gives the Glazers a huge cash return. Why did the Glazers not want it? That's a good question. Someone close to, to the Qatari group believes that at the end the Glazers never really wanted to leave the full control of Manchester United and always wanted a, a minority stake investment as is happening now with our Sergeant Radcliffe. That's the opinion of many people close to the Qatari group because they really believe and Sheikh Yassim himself from what I understand, really believes that he was the dream owner. As you mentioned, it was an important proposal for the club, but also for the community, for the city. He had a really important project for the city of Manchester to invest also on some structure around Manchester United. I mean, in the city, in the community. So the proposal was really ambitious. And let me say that the idea of Sheikh Yassim was already in March, in April, when he approached the Glazers family and started this conversation. 
to close the deal as soon as possible because he wanted to make an impact on the summer transfer window with some important negotiation, with new ideas, with new people into the club. So he was really prepared to do many important things for Manchester United and also clearing all debts. That's a crucial part of his proposal. So that's why Sheikh Yassim was kind of... Uh, pushing and pushing for months. He was really optimistic at the beginning of the story in March, in April, in May. And then after the difficult negotiations in the summer, people close to the Qatari group already understood that it was going to be difficult to reach an agreement. He tried to restructure the proposal one more time in the recent days and weeks, but at that point, it was already over when the Glazers said no. So you think, ultimately, the Glazers didn't want to lose full control of Manchester United? Honestly, I can't confirm this on my side because uh, I don't have this information directly from the Glazers family, but those close to Sheikh Yassim have this feeling. Yes, they feel that they never really wanted to sell 100% of the stakes at Manchester United and they always wanted a minority investment as priority. That's the feeling of those close to, to Sheikh Yassim and to the Qatari group. Is there any sense that Sheikh Yassim will, will now move on and look at another club? Let's see, I was asking this question when I got the news on Saturday and the answer I got is at the moment there is absolutely nothing ongoing in terms of process with any club. We had rumours in Italy, in England, with different clubs, but at the moment Sheikh Yassim is not negotiating to, to buy any other club. Of course, now the answer I got is there will be internal discussions to understand how to uh, move in the next months after they had big confidence to make it happen with Manchester United at the beginning of the year. Now everything has almost collapsed, so they had to discuss internally. We know that buying top clubs around Europe is not that easy process, so it takes time to discuss internally, to consider what's the best investment, as I mentioned, not just about the club and the sporting side, but also about the city, the country, and many projects that they have when they go and buy a club as they wanted to do with Manchester United. So there will be internal communications, internal discussions, but at the moment there is absolutely no negotiation to buy another club. And look, the one thing that came out of Sheikh Jassim's um, bid or potential bid, did he ever want um, Kylian Mbappe to go to Old Trafford or is that not true? No, honestly, there was never something uh, that concrete or that advanced. Uh, I think it was a normal link, as we saw with Neymar, with Mbappe, when you have the possibility of a takeover, is um, very normal to see this kind of links with fantastic top players for the new for the new owners. Sheikh Jassim never entered into discussion uh, about specific players to bring to Manchester United, also because the takeover was never that close. We always had rumours of a takeover being super close. He was confident at one point, as we mentioned, in March, in April, in May, but it was never that close, so he never enter into any concrete negotiation. What I can say is that uh, Sheikh Jassim, in case he was going to be Manchester United owner last summer, so like May, June, ahead of the summer transfer window, he was really prepared to do something important on the summer transfer window. Now I can't confirm by pay name or in name, but he wanted to do something important like a star signing, an important signing, and showing his commitment to, to Manchester United. But uh, honestly, I never had any confirmation that Kylian Mbappé was on his list. And also, Kylian Mbappé was very clear last summer in his intention to stay at Paris Saint-Germain, despite all the rumours we had. So I'm not sure that Kylian Mbappé was prepared to really leave May United last summer. Sorry, leave and PSG. Now it may, yeah, yeah, PSG. Yeah, and well, now it, it may never come to fruition because Sheikh Jassim is, is seemingly no longer in the running. Um, Fabrizio, thanks very much indeed for joining us and giving us your spin you. and uh, behind the scenes on what's going on at Old Trafford. Thanks as always. And see you soon. Thank you. Fabrizio Romano there. We have Ben Jacobs and Mark Goldbridge, presenter of the United Fan Channel of the United Stand. Mark, um, you listen to that. Is this all being done in, in the interests of the Glazers or in the interests of Manchester United? 
Um, I think the the most telling thing Fabrizio said and the fear many Manchester United fans have is that this whole process was a was a big lie that they they never had any intention of selling and that ultimately they were always looking for a minority investor. I mean, as Ben alluded to, it's, the rumours are that uh, Sir Jim Radcliffe has changed this position at least three times to come down to the position that maybe the Glazers wanted all along. Um, the bottom line is it's not a full sale, even if it happens in three years. It's not a full sale now and. I'm just very concerned and suspicious about what the ulterior motive is. It's also sad when you think about it as well that, I mean, it's not the most important thing in a footballing sense, but I, you know, I visit Manchester a lot. We have a studio right next to Old Trafford. And to think that somebody was going to buy the football club and invest a lot of money into that area and you look at the Etihad and around there and the co-op arena and everything, it's fantastic what's happened there, even from a, uh, even though they're a rival. And to know, to know that Manchester United have missed out on this, you know, cheat code, golden ticket, whatever you call it, Newcastle have it, Man City have it, it would have been massively beneficial for the area as well. And ultimately, that's not really on to Jim. That's on the Glazers and their selfishness to retain Manchester United having basically destroyed it over the last 20 years and they're not going anywhere. It's massively disappointing. Mark, interesting. What? Yeah, go on. Go on, Ben. I was just going to ask, Mark, at this point, what's better, in your opinion, for a Manchester United fan to do? Clearly, there's not one approach fits all. But the whole process has been about Qatar or Ratcliffe. It's been a race. It's been a popularity contest. Now one group's out. And it's easy to idealise them and talk about them and wish they were in control because they represented debt-free and buying 100% of the club. Another group is in and progressing and at least trying, if they're successful, to modernise the club. Do you think fan energy is better spent protesting and pushing full sale and still being anti-glazers or actually trying to find a way, even if everyone's not happy about it, about educating themselves on Ratcliffe and getting behind something that is looking increasingly inevitable? I think it's a great question because I think at the moment it's like the seven stages of grief, isn't it? I think there's a lot of frustration and disappointment and upset Manchester United fans. And at the moment, I just... I can't move away from the fact that if Sir Jim hadn't done a deal with the Glazers, then we wouldn't be in this scenario. I can't move away from the fact that, and it was never about Qatar for me. They represented the full sale, but it wouldn't matter if it was Elon Musk or Apple. I still would have pushed full sale. It was always full sale and Glazers out. That The Qatar thing sort of detracts from what Manchester United fans really wanted, which was a reset. And to be that close to it, I mean, that's the hardest thing in the years to come if it goes wrong, is that we were that, we were touching distance. And, some great reports today about how maybe the Qatari bid uh, rubbed the Glazers up the wrong way by saying, we're going to make Manchester United great again. We're going to clear the debt. We're going to do this, that and the other. It was always a Glazer vote. It was never about what the fans wanted. And ultimately, the Glazers have shown that. They've gone with the less popular option because it suits them better. Um, it's off the table, Ben, isn't it? So I think that there are two scenarios and some United fans already are just going, well, let's just get on with this and hope it works. Personally, um, I think over the years, I'd like to have seen the fan base do more. Uh, I think other fan bases of other clubs have emptied stadiums. They have done things that I don't think we can do. Um, the Glazers are ultimately still in charge. I think the most important thing, and you've alluded to it already, is the next stage is honesty and openness and actual clarity on how this deal works.
because I think if we live in the unknown, of, you're asking a quite a lot there, Mark. Though, aren't, aren't yeah. you? The way this has gone on, you're asking yeah. quite a lot, and and you the you the fans are going to be uh, left out of that process, aren't you? And and it seems that communication is missing uh, yeah. so much of the time, but uh, throughout the whole bid process, I, I want to ask you this question that that Kate Hennick has come in. Any plans for calling for a boycott, Mark? Um, at least ask the United States team to not fund the Glazers by going to games. Um, I think people have tried that in the past. And unfortunately, you know, there's some groups out there that have run regular protests. You've got the Man United Supporters Trust. Um, the unity in the fan base has just never been there um, to collectively do something. And already from Saturday, there's people arguing on social media. And when you think about that, it's remarkable that there are people in the fan base who are championing the Sir Jim Radcliffe bid when they don't even know what it is. They're doing it off a newspaper report. So what chance have you got when the you know, the PR comes out, which is totally and utterly fine. There will be positive PR about what Sir Jim is going to do. But for me, if we don't get the detail and Ben's alluded to, you know, will it will it be an obligation to buy? How much will it be? What are the break clauses? I don't think we'll ever get that. So I think there'll always be a mistrust and who knows what the future is. But um, I think at the moment it's just massively disappointing that the Glazers will be here for at least another three years in charge. Which, which is, I, I mean, I, when you look at this, this, um, the shape of this deal, you've got the Glazers handing over sporting control, which is where most of the aggro comes, because if it goes wrong in the sporting front, then everyone's upset. All they want to do, as far as I understand it from this deal, is they just want to cream off the finance of it, build the club to be even more uh, expensive to buy, and therefore it is just a, a financial deal and they take all the risk away because... They're saying, well, hang on, it's not our fault if if the club's not doing well. So Jim's in charge of that now. It is interesting, and I, I don't know what uh, your your thoughts are on this, but um, I've just been out doing a football shoot with Ben Foster, who used to play for Manchester United um, back in, what, 2008? So 15 years ago. And I said to him, when you did contract renewals in your time at Manchester United, were the Glazers ever hands-on? And he said, absolutely not. I never spoke to them. My agent never spoke to them. It was David Gill. And I think that's the that's the PR working already, isn't it? You know, so Jim Radcliffe's going to take over the sporting side. But the Glazers never had control of it. It was always Ed Woodward, Richard Arnold. In a sense, Sir Jim is getting sporting control as a almost glorified sporting director to make the decisions. And there's a lot of risk associated with that as well. Uh, just for those of you who are picking up on this uh, broadcast and joining us late, a reminder that we're discussing the latest proposal, perhaps the last proposal that Sir Jim has come up with, which will be 25% of Manchester United for the sporting interest of the club. So he controls the sporting interest of the club and the Glazers hold the remaining 75% shares. Uh, Armand is asking this question. I'm behind on the video. OK, so I will address this. What do you think will happen to common shareholders, Ben? I think that the structure that Ratcliffe has presented has first and foremost mitigated any possible litigation from the regular shareholders who were opposed to the original type of structure that Ratcliffe was proposing that cut them out the deal. So the most likely scenario, and there's obviously a few unknowns at this point, is a hybrid structure where Ratcliffe buys an equal share of A and B. 
And as a consequence of that, there's no change structurally to Manchester United, but ultimately 12.5% comes from A, 12.5% comes from B to get to 25, and that will lessen the risk, if not entirely remove it, of any kind of litigation. It makes sense because it solves a variety of key issues, liquidity and leverage, for example, and it has to be structured in a way that the board will recommend it. And I think the easiest way to get board recommendation is for Ratcliffe to take 25% in that equal measure. There are other ways that he can do it. Ratcliffe could inject around 1.4 billion of new equity into the club in order to get his 25% stake. And that would be known as being done in a so-called pro forma entity. I'm not going to go into the legalities of that because everyone will fall asleep, but there'd be no change to the structure at Manchester United. That would provide desperately needed liquidity, but the Glazers may not want to go down that particular route. Uh, the other option, the simplest option, the greediest option is just that Ratcliffe buys 25% of the Glazers' existing shares. And that would mean that if they wanted to, they could pocket all of that money, not reinvest any of it back into the club and the minority shareholders would be cut out of the deal still. And they would not be happy about that scenario, nor would the fan base. And you would think that it wouldn't provide any funding to take the club forward. So it's quite a complicated situation structurally, but I do think there's consensus that Ratcliffe has pivoted to a scenario where he buys an equal share of A and B to get to his 25%, and that will pacify the minority shareholders. Okay, thanks for explaining that, Ben. Uh, keep your questions coming in. We are pushing towards an end of this broadcast, but there's one from Josh Lee. Jo Josh, if the Glazers aren't willing to relinquish power now, why would they in three or five years? We did sort of touch on this. Uh, the expectation is that Manchester United would be worth more in three or five years. There would be a new television deal by there by then. They may be able to sell their own television rights uh, as part of a move on rights in the future. And of course, there's the Saudi influence and, and how that will affect various clubs. So uh, that is a, a brief answer to your question, Josh, which we did uh, cover a little bit um, before. I, I want to just throw to you, Ben, what happens on Thursday? Is, is, that, and is that this Thursday or next Thursday? And the question is, right, is that the final bit where the board says, yes or no to Sir Jim? Yeah, we'll talk about Thursday. Then we can ask Mark about the protests. I want to touch on Sheikh Jassim a little bit as well and just explain how he's perceived the process and where he stands now. But in answer to your question, there's an expected board meeting on Thursday at Manchester United and to push the deal through, a majority would be needed. And on that board, there's 12 people, there's club representatives, there's the Glazers and there's representatives of the minority shareholders. And they can all dial in remotely from around the world. And the first thing I'd say is this is not the first time that a possible Ratcliffe proposal has been put to the board when he wanted 50.1%. That was also discussed and effectively rejected at board level. And there were even some formal letters written stating that the minority shareholders collectively, some of the major ones anyway, weren't happy. On this occasion, the structure even verbally has been discussed with a number of key figures at Manchester United and those running the process. So there is an expectation that if the Glazers agree, the board will agree. So the question for Thursday is, will the deal be in place to put 
to the board? Or are there still some elements of finessing around an agreement in principle that still need to be done, especially over defining what sporting control is? The 25% is agreed, the valuation is agreed, the percentage that Ratcliffe would like for now is agreed, some form of path to control is being discussed and is either close to being agreed or is agreed, but not every element is done yet. So then you would have two options. One is that you don't put it to the board yet and you delay it. And delay has been one of the buzzwords, unfortunately, of this entire process. The other option at the more positive extreme is that the board can approve it and Ratcliffe would get near immediate sporting control. And the halfway house, as you say to the board, listen, this is on the table, but we need more time. And then it remains to be seen whether the board would approve Ratcliffe going into a period of time, either exclusive or non-exclusive, in order to get the deal done. And that might provoke some kind of announcement and give Manchester United fans further clarity. But right now, the expectation is that if it all goes according to plan, the Ratcliffe proposal will be put to a vote. And if a majority on the board agree, then Ratcliffe will effectively have won the race for Manchester United, but still have to go through the completion process. And that is Thursday at the earliest. And that will also then allow Manchester United to finally publish their latest financial results in which there might be some allusion to this as well. So, Mark, I think Thursday feels like a big day. We might not get every answer, but we may finally get some clarity. Yeah, and as we know, the way that Manchester United work, it's not like they're going to be coming out on Thursday and giving us all the answers. Um, It's taken nearly a year to get to this point. And um, we are like mushrooms kept in the dark. So, I I mean, I I think Saturday was significant in the fact that we now know where the club is heading and I guarantee that over the next coming few weeks and months, we'll start to get a little bit more information, but um, yeah, um, whether we get the information that we want, as Angus said, is probably unlikely, but I mean, it'd be interesting to see what changes are made very quickly in the short term that we've heard about Paul Mitchell, like you said, the January transfer window, Manchester United currently sit mid table. I would say Champions League football is essential to Sir Jim and the Glazers to, you know, reap the benefits of what they're trying to do over the next three years. So be interesting to see what what big changes happen quickly. Is there anything positive about this for you, Mark? Um, I, I, I'm really reluctant to say the words because I'm so disappointed that the Glazers will be staying. But and I, in no way am I saying people to sit back and relax because it's good for the club. But a club that's not fully owned by the Glazers is better than a club that's fully owned by the Glazers. A pathway to them leaving is better than the pathway to them not leaving. But I just at this moment can't move away from the fact that there was an offer on the table that would have removed them completely. So, of course, it's better than maybe where we were five years ago. But it's never going to be better than what was on the table from another party to remove them completely. I hope it works. I really hope it works. But I think the way football's going, I don't see how Sir Jim competes with the Manchester Cities and Newcastles in three years or now anyway. So, but look, a lot of people have said that, you know, they finished with Manchester United. I don't get that. Supporting a football club, whether it's Manchester United or Lincoln, you, you stick with your football club regardless. In fact, you stick with them more when it's a, a situation like this. So I and many other United fans aren't going to go anywhere, but uh, it's, it remains to see whether Manchester United are going to go in, in anywhere under this current <laughs> regime, whatever it is. Exactly. Uh, interesting. Uh, Stephen Morocho says Manchester United stocks are down by 
uh, is that down by 1.9%, 1808. And will this continue to go down? And does this affect the sale, if at all? Ben, look, if it doesn't get rubber stamped on Thursday, does the does it does it go back on the market? Does it does does everything just end? Does Sheikh Jassim suddenly come back into the picture? What happens? Well, first of all, with the stock price, let's wait and see because the market could react to conclusion, which would usually be positive, or it can react to Jassim being out the race, which can be negative. So the pre-market drop was almost 18%. And seemingly, if those figures are accurate, it's picked back up to around $18 a share, which actually suggests that the market think a conclusion to the process is something positive. If Ratcliffe isn't approved, then the Glazers may keep talking to him. There are other minority investors and financers in the process. But I think the thing about the Jassim withdrawal, and I just want to touch upon that briefly, is that it would never have happened if they thought that the race was still open. So it's all very well, the briefing of fatigue is absolutely true. A lot of the elements that they have said about their bid, a clean transaction, debt-free, 100% ownership, all things the fans want, redevelopment of the stadium and so on. But the timing of the withdrawal was also down to the fact that they think Ratcliffe is going to come in with this 25%. So that would suggest that it's far more likely than unlikely that Ratcliffe will get this over the line. If he doesn't, the Glazers can say one group withdrew, the other one we didn't have a deal with. We're going to put the club back on the market at a later date. No sale has always been a possibility, but they need some kind of capital to do the things that is required of the club, modernising it, changing the hierarchy, investing in the men and women's team and the academy. Otherwise, they're going to move backwards. It really is as simple as that. And then just lastly on Jasim, I think it's really important to note at this point that he hasn't just withdrawn, he has explicitly said to those running the process that the offer is off the table. And there is a difference because you can leave the process and leave your offer hanging and say, come crawling back. But they've not said that. 90 Foundation have said, we are out. The offer is no longer valid. And as a consequence, it is no longer an option, even if the Glazers were short of any kind of progress with Ratcliffe or somebody else. And that, I think, again, tells me, it's only my personal interpretation, that the 9-2 Foundation believe that Jim Ratcliffe will get his stake in Manchester United. And now we have to wait and see whether that does lead to eventual control, as Ratcliffe has said he wanted from the very start. Thank you, Ben. Um, thank you, Mark. I, I just think for you as a, as a fan, look, I know, I think every fan understands it, whether you like or loathe Manchester United, you just feel for the fans that something can drag on for so long. And when you get owners that are actually disinterested in the club, they're just interested in the numbers. Makes that hugely frustrating. We invest so much emotion into our clubs. Look what Ben's had to go through. He's been top of the tree. He's now down in the championship with, with uh, Leicester City. And um, you know, as a Bristol City fan, I'd love to be in your position. But actually, we've got an owner who's got a lot of money and looks after us. You have owners who have lots of money, have borrowed a lot of money and don't really care about the club. And I wonder what your final thoughts are, Mark, as as you head towards Thursday with a possible takeover in time from Sir Jim. Yeah, I think that there's a good thing to sort of hit back with that, you know, not many people will have sympathy with Manchester United because we had so many good years. And I completely agree that you've got no divine right to be successful forever. 
and there are cycles in football. But the one argument I've always had about that is that when Sir Alex Ferguson left and the deterioration of the stadium and the infrastructure and the club over the last decade, that's not a cycle. That's um, sabotage in relation to how the club has been run by greedy people. Um, and if it was just a cycle where you just went, you know, we're a, we're a good run club, but it's not our time, I think that's easier to deal with. The problematic thing is that in 2028 is the Euros. We've got the biggest domestic stadium in, in England and it's not even been shortlisted because it's such a bad stadium. There is just so the dividends, the debts, there's so much that's wrong with the football club. And it all goes back to the Glazers who have lit. And, and I, don't, I don't blame Sir Jim Radcliffe for this. He's obviously got his desire to get hold of Manchester United and he's done that. It's just the fact that the Glazers have effectively, you know, screwed over this fan base again. And yeah, it's it's galling. Um, I just hope at some point there is an end to this, you know, run of Glazer ownership of Manchester United. Well, maybe there is an end in sight. Uh, it seems that way, but it for some, it just can't come soon enough. Um, Mark Goldbridge, thank you very much indeed. Ben Jacobs, uh, with that lovely jumper again. It's been great to have uh, your company. And um, we'll be back cheering again. people up. <laughs> <laughs> um, we will be back again next week, of course, with your debrief. I hope you can join us then. Bye bye. <laughs>